Hey, good morning, Plum Creek. Great to see you here today. I want to thank you for joining us, whether you're here in person or you're watching online. I hope you've had a good week, and I hope you were able to take some time yesterday to recognize the 20th anniversary of 9-11 and to remember those who lost their lives as well as those who gave their lives. This morning, I was thinking about what things were like 20 years ago from today, September 12th, 2001. And I just remember that being a time where there was a lot of fear and uncertainty. It was stressful. And now, 20 years later, we're still living through a stressful time. So I just wanted to take a moment right now and pray for our country and pray for this world. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, we look to you right now. I I remember the, the verse in the Bible that says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And so we are grateful for that, that you are far above any of the problems in this world right now. And I know that the solution to all of our problems is for people to to look to you, to, to turn to Jesus. And so I pray that will happen in this country. I pray there will be a revival. I pray for our leaders to turn to you, that you will provide wisdom And I pray for those around the world who, as of this moment, have chosen to be your enemy. I pray that you would soften their hearts and that there would be many across the globe that would find Jesus. And so, Lord, right now we look to you and ask that you speak to us through your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you happen to be new to our church, you picked a great day to be here. Uh, We're starting a brand new sermon series. It's called Asking for a Friend, and I've really been looking forward to this. We're going to take several weeks to wrestle with some tough questions about God, about Christianity, and about life in general. And we already know what topics we'll cover in the first half of this series. Uh, Today, we're going to look at the question, how do I get through this? Next week, we'll ask the question, why is God not answering my prayers? Now, week three is going to be interesting. Uh, The question that week is, how do I deal with all the disagreement and division around me right now? Uh, You might want to bring some popcorn that Sunday. It could be fun watching me walk through that minefield. Now, week four, the question is, why bother with church? So those are the first four weeks of this series, and then after that, we're asking for help. Uh, We're asking you to submit the questions that we'll be dealing with. Now, you can do that by going to plumcreek.org slash questions. Uh, These could be questions you've thought about yourself or or anything your friends might be asking. And and really, anyone is welcome to submit a question, whether they're inside or outside the church. And I won't promise to have the perfect answer for everything, but I do know we can definitely find lots of solid answers when we look to God and we look to his word. So today we begin with this question, how do I get through this? And it's no coincidence that we're starting here because right now, many people are struggling. And I realize that 
some of you are doing really well at the moment. You're just sort of sailing through life, and, and that's great. Thank God for that. But a lot of us are not doing well. Back in 2020, I know many people were looking forward to 2021. We were saying, oh, it's got to be better, right? But now here, nine months into 2021, some of us would say this year is harder than last year. I got an email uh, recently from someone who said, I am so hopeful that all of this will end very soon. My heart can't take it anymore, quite honestly. Now, if you can relate to that comment this morning, we're going to look to God and we're going to ask him for some practical help. We're asking, Lord, how do we get through this? You know, for a lot of Christians, there is a famous go-to verse that's, that gets quoted a lot when somebody is going through a tough time. It's Romans 8, 28. And I want to read that verse right now. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, I, I think those words are pretty familiar to many of us. Uh, some of you might have this verse printed on a coffee mug. Uh, maybe you have a pillow with Romans 8:28 stitched on it. And yes, it's great to remember this verse and read it again and again. There's a powerful truth here. If you belong to Jesus, God will bring something good out of any of your suffering. So yes, that's great. We can draw strength and comfort from Romans 8:28. However, there may be times when you know this verse in your head, but you're still struggling in your heart. You're, you still find yourself discouraged or afraid or feeling abandoned or even hopeless. So how do we answer today's question? How do we get through everything we're dealing with right now? How do we not just survive but thrive during these times? Well, we are going to look at Romans 8.28 this morning, as well as the context leading up to that verse, but we won't stop there. We're also going to hear a testimony from a couple here at Plum Creek. Uh, they have had a lot of trials over the past year, but God has helped them get through this difficult season. As we get started, though, I want to go back to Romans 8.28 and look at some popular myths around this verse. A preacher named J.D. Greer pointed out three ways that this verse can be misinterpreted. And I, I think this is a helpful list. Check it out. Myth number one says, if we live well, we can avoid or at least minimize suffering. Sometimes a person becomes a Christian and they feel like God will take away their problems. Uh, he's always working for the good of those who love him. So life should just get easier and easier, right? Well, that's not what we, that's not what we see in Scripture. And this summer we studied 1 Peter. And that book says, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Trials and tribulations are actually not strange. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have trouble. It's a promise. It's not a promise we like, but that's what Jesus said. And the good news is he followed up that statement by saying, but I have overcome the world. So at the end of the day, Jesus can handle any of our problems, 
but we're still going to have problems. So that's myth number one. Myth number two is this. Suffering always points to some sin that you need to confess. In other words, whenever life takes a bad turn, God is punishing you for something that you've done. Now, I will say, sometimes that's exactly what's happening. God does give punishment for sin. Uh, He's designed the world to work in a certain way, and when you violate his law and his design, there will be consequences. However, there are lots of times when bad things just happen, and you actually did nothing to directly cause that suffering. So don't assume that every trial is a punishment from God. Now, I'll give you one last myth. Myth number three is that we'll always be able to find the silver linings behind our dark clouds. This is the idea that God will always make sure that we get to see the good that he brings out of a bad situation. Now, sometimes uh, we look back on our pain and we say, God, you promised to bring good out of my suffering, but I don't see where you did that. Where's the silver lining? Where's the good? We don't always get that information, though. And when we don't see the good that God is doing, questions and doubts can start to pile up. Uh, You might start asking, God, do you care about me at all? Are you even there? The reality is, God is there, and he does care. We just need to let go of those myths and listen to the truth. So let's go back to Romans 8, and this time we'll start a few verses earlier and get a bigger picture. This time I'll read from verse 22 down to verse 28. And before I read this, I want you to notice there are some great promises in this passage. And I also want to give the same disclaimer that I gave a couple weeks ago. If you have not yet given your life to Christ, um, these promises don't apply to you yet. See, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to a group of Christians in the city of Rome And God offers hope to everyone. But if you have not yet received that hope, don't claim the promises that you haven't received yet. All right, so let's go ahead and read Romans 8, starting with verse 22. Paul says, We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. And not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose." Now, there's a lot we could talk about here, and normally I would go through this passage verse by verse, but today I want to do something different. 
I want to take this passage as a whole and make a list of several truths that we find here. And every one of these truths can help you get through hard times. And I am confident there's something on this list that God wants you to hear today. So here we go. First, in this world, suffering is normal and it's unavoidable. We talked about this, right? Nobody gets through this life without pain and trials. But why is that? Well, all of our suffering comes because we live in a fallen and a broken world. Romans 8.22 says, all of creation is groaning. So it's not just people, it's the whole universe. And that dates back to Adam and Eve and the first sin in the Garden of Eden. God gave Adam and Eve one rule, right? He said, don't eat the fruit. And what did they do? They ate the fruit. It was an act of disobedience and rebellion against God. And when sin entered the world, pain and death also entered the world. Think about all the suffering around us. Think about diseases like cancer or COVID-19. Think about wars and acts of terror like 9-11. Think about betrayal like a, like a cheating spouse or gut-wrenching grief like the loss of a parent or the loss of a child. All of these things can be traced back to the moment when sin entered this world. And you know, Jesus himself suffered in this fallen world. In fact, this is another truth that is very helpful. Jesus understands our suffering because he's been there. Whatever you're going through right now, Jesus knows exactly how you feel. Uh, back in the 1800s, there was a famous preacher named Charles Spurgeon, and he said, a Jesus who never wept could never wipe away my tears. And the truth is, Jesus did weep. He shed tears after the death of his good friend Lazarus. And he cried out to God in excruciating pain as he was dying on the cross. Jesus knows pain, and he can comfort us in our pain. And that brings us to another truth here in Romans 8. God himself hurts when we hurt. Did you notice this? Romans 8.26, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Now, this is a mystery because we're talking about the Trinity here. God is three persons, but he's still just one God. And some of you might want to submit a question about the Trinity for this series. But in this verse, the Holy Spirit prays to the Father on our behalf. And check it out. The Spirit groans because of our pain. Our pain is his pain. So rest assured that God loves you, and he doesn't want to see you in pain. That's why he has a plan to end your pain. This is another truth. If you are in Christ, your suffering is temporary. Now, is it possible that God will remove your present pain? Sure, of course. But even if he doesn't take it away, followers of Jesus have something much better to look forward to. Romans 8.23 says, 
we wait eagerly for the redemption of our bodies. Now, this is one of the big themes in this passage. It's the hope that one day we will toss off these old earthly bodies and we will have a new resurrected body. And what do you think that'll be like? I don't know. Uh, somebody said uh, that in heaven, broccoli and cauliflower will make you gain weight. And to stay healthy, you've got to eat ice cream and bacon. Now, is that true? I don't know. I hope it is. But here's what I do know. In these resurrected bodies, all of the effects of sin will be gone. The blind will see. The deaf will hear. People who lived in a wheelchair will be able to run and walk. People who lived with severe mental disabilities will be able to understand and express themselves. There'll be no more aches and pain, no more tears, no more death. We'll be free of sin itself. So every follower of Christ has that to look forward to. In the meantime, though, what is God doing while we're still here in the world? Well, this is one more truth. If you are in Christ, your suffering is not meaningless. Like I said, in many cases, God did not cause your pain. We suffer just because we live in this fallen world. But even when God is not the cause of your pain, he will still use it. He will bring some kind of good out of your suffering. And that takes us back to Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So how will God do that? How will he bring good out of your suffering? Well, again, we don't always get to see the good that God brings. But many times we do see it. For example, God may use your story to encourage someone else, which would be a blessing to them and a blessing to you. We're, we're about to see that right now. Uh, many of you know Doug and Judy Graziani. Uh, for over a year now, uh, they've been walking down a tough road, and they agreed to share some of their story. So let's watch this together. My name is Doug Graziano. I've been at Plum Creek Christian Church now for about uh, 49 years. And uh, um, this is my wife. My name is Judy Graziana, and I've been at Plum Creek. I won't say how many years that is because it's my whole life. Uh, I was, uh, my parents were going there when I was born, and uh, I have always been at Plum Creek Christian Church. And it's always been a blessing to me, of course. I grew up in Cold Spring, Kentucky, and uh, my family was a Christian family, and we were members of uh, First Baptist Church Cold Spring. I became a Christian when I was nine years old and was baptized and went forward and um, professed Christ and so forth. Um, stuck with it. I was in the choir at uh, Cold Spring. Uh, I taught Sunday school classes there when I was uh, older. Um, in fact, I was teaching Sunday school class when Judy and I met. We met actually at softball games. Uh, I played for Cold Spring Baptist and, and uh, she came to watch Plum Creek play and we, we played against each other. Um, generally speaking, we, most, we, we, we won most of the time, but it was kind of here and there. No, I, I remember that a different way, but you go ahead. <laughs> so uh, 
but we talked to each other and we decided uh, to, to, to go out. And uh, so then we were, we, we dated for about three months and decided to get married. <laughs> we agreed that we would go to Plum Creek Church after we were married, and um, that's what we did. Uh, and there I uh, sang in the choir at Plum Creek, uh, taught Sunday school at Plum Creek uh, for many years uh, until just this recent problem with my health. Approximately a year ago, um, I was diagnosed with uh, bladder cancer. And uh, then I started some treatments uh, with that. Um, and, um, you know, first treatment I had, um, the, um, I had all kinds of side effects. All the, all the side effects that the, a chemo could give you, I had them. Uh, and and um, had them for the full week, That because uh, they were giving me one treatment a week, and then I would go back and get another one. We went to the oncologist and told him what went on. He says, that's just not normal. <laughs> so um, they took a blood test, and like the next day, they said, go admit yourself to Christ Hospital. <laughs> so we did. They put me on the immunotherapy uh, medicine, and I went through a full Treatment, treatment of that, which probably was about three months. Uh, I did a PET scan to see how it was working, and it turned out it wasn't working at all. <clears throat> now, whether or not it did anything good for me or not, I don't know, but uh, that's what the PET scan showed. And I still had issues with uh, the spread through my body and lymph nodes, etc. Then there was a new medicine that came out called PADSIV, which was a medicine developed strictly for bladder cancer. So I, I took the first, what, three months of that? Mm -hmm. yeah. And they did another PET scan and it showed that uh, it had, you know, I had improvement. So I went through another three months of that same PET of treatment. And the next PET scan showed that um, it said, that what, what it started out with, it said a complete recovery, a complete response to uh, therapy. You know, throughout that we've been married uh, about 49 years, and and I will say that you know going through hard times, we didn't really have you know really really dark hard times. Thank God blessed us, and we had a good life. Um, this one was was uh, was dark when I heard him say, "Yes, he has bladder cancer, and it has spread." And at that time, it's like, boom, you know, it hits you. And then, uh, and then you bring yourself to it, and you say, "Okay, where do we? What do we do next?" You know, and God lifts you up, and He gives you that support that you need. My prayer to start with was, was God would lay His healing hand on Doug and just take away the cancer, if that was possible, if that was His will, that He would just take away the cancer. If that wasn't His will, that He would at least make it to be something that would be treatable, so that He would have more years of life. After then, then we have the first two, first two types of treatments that, that did nothing. The third type of treatment then came back very positive, and then the next scan after that came back very positive, and I, I felt that God was answering my prayer there. I have to admit that I didn't really have a lot of fear, okay? Uh, I handle things differently than, she, than Judy does. 
uh, you know, I, I felt like everything was in God's hands and whatever happened was his will. Uh, if I, you know, if things really got bad and I, I passed away from this bladder cancer, then that would, that would be God's will. And, and, you know, obviously I'd be going to a better place. Uh, but I, but uh, on the other side, I, I you know, I, I think, you know, I wanted God to heal me so that I could tell people that God heals and God is, uh, answers prayers and uh, give people encouragement and, uh, you know, strengthen their faith. That's where I was coming from. Uh, I will say I did have fear. Not so much during the daytime because I could keep busy and doing things, but sometimes in the middle of the night I would wake up and just have just a lot of anxiety. And then I would say to myself, well, you know, you prayed about this, you know, what, what's wrong with your faith? You know, you need to have more faith or something because you prayed about this, so you shouldn't have anxiety. But then the next morning, I would feel better because joy comes in the morning. And you, and you see, you know, how things are going and it's, it's okay, it's going to be all right. You know, what, what happens will be okay. But, you know, I did have the fear and the anxiety along with the faith. Something that came on my phone that I wanted to mention because I think God speaks to us sometimes in ways other than just directly doing exactly what, what we ask. Uh, he, I think He can send us little messages here and there. But I get quotes on my phone every morning and I'm not sure where they come from. I didn't sign up for it. But after that second uh, PET scan, the quote that came on my, my phone was, and I want to make sure I say this exactly right. It is only after the deepest darkness that the greatest joy can come. And then the next thing that came to my mind was, joy comes in the morning. And I think that um, God was speaking there and saying, sometimes you have to endure some dark times, but then you can really, really recognize when the joyful times are and what's really, what's really going on that's really good. And I felt that that was something that I, I gained from that. I think, you know, the one thing that uh, has encouraged me is that, uh, you know, once people found out uh, about my situation, my condition, right. we received tons of cards oh. from all over the place. <laughs> and I knew that people were praying for me. I had people all over Pendleton County, Campbell County, um, so I had people in North Carolina praying for me and people in Arkansas praying for me. I had lots of prayers going up for me. And, uh, and I just wanted the opportunity to say, well, God answers prayers. Well, just, I just wanted to kind of throw in something that did help me, you know, along this journey. You know, I had a few friends, several friends who also were going through either themselves or a loved one going through something that was very difficult. And it helped me a lot to be able to help that person. You know, maybe it was getting some kind of grocery items that they couldn't really get, have delivered, you know, but I could get that and I could take it to them. Um, that, helped, that helped me a lot to be able to help somebody else. And then when we were actually able to get back to church, that helped so much because there were all our Christian friends being supportive and being encouraging. And I can't say enough about how much that helped. You know, some had brought food, some sent cards. Uh, you know, it was, they, it, 
that encouragement I can't emphasize enough to everybody and how much that means really when you're going through something that's really difficult. Um, well, you know, just going through any kind of trial, it's good to have God going along with you and to, sh and to be able to share things with Him and uh, know that He is really out, out for the best for you. Um, and, uh, you know, it really is comforting and gives you strength and allows you to get through tough times. Um, that's where, I, where I've been the last year. I've prayed for, you know, healing and, uh, you know, several times. And I, I trust, trust God to do what's best for me. I really appreciate Doug and Judy being willing to share like that. And I'm confident that God is using their story right now to encourage someone who's listening. And while their story is still fresh in our minds, I want to point out uh, several examples that they have set for us that I think are, are very important. Uh, I want you to see if you picked up on these while you watch the video. First, we need to pray hard and believe. Doug and Judy really believe in the power of prayer. They, they know that God can heal Doug in an instant. And it's true that there are certain things God will do only when we pray. I saw a great post on Facebook the other day. Somebody said, nobody's life was ever changed by positive vibes or thoughts sent your way but prayer shakes the gates of hell. So I'm not sending you vibes. I'm going to pray. That's good stuff right there. Another example I saw in the video is that we need to support each other. It meant so much to Doug and Judy when brothers and sisters in Christ reached out to show their love and support. Now, of course, you can't do that for everybody, but you can look around and you can see who God puts in your path, and you can reach out to that person and support them. Another important example from the video is when Judy talked about serving others. Uh, that's, that's so true. Instead of focusing on our own suffering, it's really helpful to look outward and see how God can use you to be a blessing. Another example from Doug and Judy is to trust that God knows best. We think we know better sometimes, uh, but we don't. We can't see what God sees. And one last example from Doug and Judy is to trust that God will give you what you need. And that can be a tough example to follow. We might say, well, here's what I need, God. I need you to heal me. I need you to take this problem away. But we better be ready, because God may say, no, I know what's best. I won't intervene this time to remove your problem, but I will give you strength to get through it. The truth is, we may not like that answer, but it's important to remember that God will give you exactly what you need. He'll give you hope for the future and strength for today. Sometimes, he answers our prayers, and he gives us exactly what we want right now. 
Sometimes he doesn't give us what we ask for because he has something better in mind. And then sometimes he leaves us waiting. And that can be one of the greatest tests of our faith. Some of you recognize the name Bob Russell. Uh, Bob's a well-known preacher among Christian churches like Plum Creek. And for over 40 years, he was the senior minister of Southeast Christian Church over in Louisville, which was and still is one of the largest churches in the country. But right now, Bob and his family are going through a terrible trial. Bob has a grandson named Charlie. Charlie's a young man. He's happily married And his wife gave birth to their first child just a few weeks ago. Right now, uh, Charlie is fighting for his life. He tested positive for COVID in July, and he's currently on life support. Hasn't been able to see or hold his new baby. Charlie's family puts out regular updates and prayer requests on social media. And Bob has written several blog posts as they go through this journey. I want to close by sharing some of Bob's words along with two final truths that will help us get through a difficult time. First, here's a quote from Bob's blog. He said, Although I don't struggle with doubt, I sometimes battle discouragement. I don't fully understand how God works or why he seems slow to respond. With so many people praying, why doesn't God just instantaneously, dramatically answer our prayers? Would it not be a great testimony to the power of prayer for Charlie to be instantly healed and walk out of the hospital with healthy lungs? Why is he still on life support and struggling for his life every day? We have prayed as hard as we can pray and have promised to give God the glory. Yet the Bible insists God's ways are not our ways. Right there, Bob is quoting Isaiah 55 verse 8, and that is a foundational truth. God's ways are not our ways. And this can be difficult to accept, but this is what faith is about. We can trust God even when we don't understand his ways. I'll read you one last quote from Bob. Just a few days ago, he said, The hope of heaven sustains me right now. One way I deal with anxiety is to face the worst possible scenario and determine how, with God's help, I will cope with it. Praying in faith is believing all things are possible with God. It's not believing that God will always do exactly what we request. After all, this is our Father's world. If Charlie doesn't pull through, we still have this promise from Romans 8. Our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. It will really hurt, and we will be deeply grieved. However, it will only be for a brief time, because God is going to make all things right someday very soon. Bob is looking at this crisis from an eternal perspective, and he gives us one last truth. Our present sufferings are light and momentary compared to the glory that's coming. It's hard to imagine that day in the future when all of our pain will be forgotten. But Scripture is clear. If you belong to Christ, that glory is coming. So let's be encouraged by that truth. Let's also pray for Charlie 
and his family. And let's support each other and ask God to give us the strength for every day, no matter what's coming. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these encouraging words that you have given us. Lord, we have so many great promises because of Jesus, and we thank you for that. We thank you for uh, your promise to bring good out of our difficulty, the promise of the hope of eternity with you. But Lord, we, we struggle, and we need your help. Lord, I pray for your help with Charlie. I pray that you would heal him. I pray for many others we know that are struggling in all kinds of different ways. Lord, we need you every hour of the day. So I pray that you will help us to not lean on our own strength, but to lean on you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.